This is the London FinTech Podcast, brought to you by your host, Mike Ballaman, bridging the worlds of suits and t-shirts, of finance and technology, bringing you insights, stories, and inspiration from the golden age of opportunity and innovation happening in London right now. Hi, this is Mike Ballaman, and this is the London FinTech Podcast, episode 199, brought to you in association with Smart and the enlistedboard.com, and I'm delighted to be joined today by Jason Cousins, founder and CEO of GlintPay, to talk about an increasingly important topic in these increasingly insane times, namely gold. Not just gold itself, but gold and fintech, which, with Jason's Glint, has, after thousands of years perhaps, provided a totally new functionality, which is phenomenal, or maybe even two or three, depending on how you're counting them. More on that and not. Back in the early days of the podcast, 2014-15, I spoke to one or two founders at the time who were working on gold and fintech in one way or another, but to be honest, nobody really cared very much. Perhaps everyone should have, and especially me, as since 2014, when the podcast started, gold is up 60%. And in passing, gold is up about 60-fold since the US came off the gold standard in the early 1970s. The past, of course, is not necessarily a guide to a future, but one thing at a time. This episode can perhaps be seen as a part two to LFP 197 with Maneco 64, which was snappily entitled Money in the 21st Century Ballooning Printing of Fiat, QE, MMT, Government Debt, CBDCs, Crypto, De-Dollarization, Hyperinflation and Gold, snappy title, in which we only had a short time to touch on gold. I've been looking into gold and the gold markets since, and it is way more weird slash complex as a market than I ever realised. When we were young, we would have known gold as perhaps rings on our mother's finger. A little later, we might have known it as something the periodic table with certain properties. But that leaves pretty much everything unsaid from an investment perspective. What is gold's function in society? If we want to invest in it, how do we do that? What are the investable forms of gold? What are the pros and cons? Indeed, is gold actually an investment or is it a store of value? How well does it fill either or? There are many, many questions. Can we use it for payments? And not to give too much of the game away, but one of the amazing functionalities that Glint Pay can put onto your mobile telephone is the ability to, to pay your buddy, if they're on the Glint network, in gold, which is pretty amazing. Perhaps no one cared very much in 2014, as few had really dived into UN Agendas 21 and 2030, and those that had were perhaps crossing their fingers that it wouldn't happen. Now, at a macro level, we appear even more than when I spoke to Mario to be in a world where Western countries' captains are deliberately driving their ships onto the rocks. Crash everything, reset everything, and Dr. Strangelove will be happy is certainly one of the drivers of recent moves in the gold price, along with a, a significant skirmish in Eastern Europe. Since speaking to Mario, both UK and the US have announced the acceleration of plans to introduce CBDCs. You'll own nothing, they'll track and trace everything and cancel your funds or freeze them if you dare dissent from today's orthodoxy, and boy does today's orthodoxy change very fast, and they'll be super happy, not you. So, for some of you out there, this might not just be yet another podcast, the 199th one you may have listened to if you've got the set, but one that makes you consider whether you should invest a certain part of your portfolio in gold, whether that be through glint, bullion dealers, ETFs, coins, or many other ways. Plenty to talk about, so let's get on with the show. Good morning, Jason. Thank you for joining me on the show today. Good morning, Mike. It's uh, great to be on the show. Thank you for inviting me. It's my pleasure, and thanks to Mario for introducing us. So normally we start with some pleasant chit-chat, but <laughs> the way the world's going at the moment, there's no time for pleasant chit-chat. And just today, for example, talking about alternative assets, I don't know whether gold's alternative, but let's not worry about semantics at the moment. In the UK, every Bitcoin ATM has been shut down by that uh, extra parliamentary body, the FCA, who suddenly declares them all illegal. And then last night, I was watching legendary investor Jim Rogers. And for all those youngsters out there, even Wikipedia tells you interesting things about Jim Rogers, a veteran investor from the uh, uh, 70s, with the uh, excellent Stansbury Research, which I uh, recommend the YouTube channel, particularly Daniela Camboni, who talks quite a lot about gold and commodities and a little bit about crypto. Jim was saying, and he's, he's a guy that made a whatever, 4,700% on his, on his quantum fund in the 70s with uh, Soros at the time. He was saying that uh, the US dollar being used as an instrument war 
is the end game for the dollar. So what with sort of Bitcoin ATMs shut down and legendary investors talking about this being the end times for the dollar, it's certainly perilous times, which of course is one reason that gold's up whatever it is, 10% or so this year. The market is very volatile. But I think I've been impressed in my two weeks of looking at uh, gold, not just at the technical nature of the market and how the price changes and stuff like that, but also that listening to veteran investors, another one was sort of that, uh, what's his name, the poor dad, rich dad uh, chap, in terms of how many uh, experienced investors are feeling that we're in some seismic shift one way and another. Long story short, all of this raises questions for all of us around how we dispose of our assets. Is it is it enough anymore to have a few quid in your bank account and uh, a bunch of money in ETFs for your longer term uh, investment in SIP? Or as many of you younger folks probably already, should you have a bunch of cryptos? Uh, and if if so, which crypto? I recently saw there were 14,000 cryptos out there, so you've got quite a choice. And traditional assets uh, like gold. Uh, as you know, if you had gold 5,000 years ago, you could have bought the equivalent of a pie and a pint with it then. So it's certainly a long-term store of value. Anyway, that's a, that's a long <laughs> waffle by me. I got carried away. But basically, it's in the Chinese sense, interesting times, Jason, one way and another as the, as the background to what you're doing. Yeah, I mean, uh, I really wouldn't wish my friends, family, everybody around me, the world to be living in these interesting times. I certainly don't think it's great for my children that they, we have these interesting times. But of course, my journey with this and with finance and with, with gold begins back in 2008 uh, during the last financial crisis. I mean, I, you know, I'm not from financial services. I was I trained as an architect. I got involved in virtual reality the first time it was cool back in the early 90s and was visualizing the Sydney Olympic Stadium and Wembley before they were built and doing things like that and then started to pivot into developing e-commerce solutions and back in those days you know we were having to develop all the back-end systems uh, because there were no off-the-shelf web-based e-commerce solutions like there are today so I had to pull together engineering teams and and that's kind of where my digital life began, my digi digital product development life began. And it was in 2008, as the world was coming to the brink of total financial collapse. I mean, Alistair Darling uh, has said, you know, we were hours away from everything stopping. That uh, I think it was the first time that I realized that a bank isn't a risk-free deposit of funds. I mean, you fundamentally, you put your money in the bank, it ceases to be yours. The bank then has a liability back to you. They owe it to you. And I just thought at the time, gosh, there's got to be a risk-free way of storing my hard-earned wealth. Where is that? What is it? And then when you're on that subject and you start thinking about it, you think, hang on a second, what, what about money, actually? I'm sure a pound used to buy me, you know, four chocolate bars, and doesn't it now buy me one? And isn't it half the size that it used to be? And so you start thinking about money itself. So you've got two issues here. You've got, number one, fundamentally. What is the problem with money? And then, and then secondly, what is the problem with where you store your money? And yes, I, we all know history tells us that some people went down the cryptocurrency uh, route. But I learned about gold. And I learned that gold had been money for thousands of years, still was used as money by central banks, had backed our, our money up until 1971 when Nixon came off the gold standard. But unfortunately, I couldn't use it to pay for anything. I mean, it's a great store of value. But, you know, since it stopped being backing the US dollar, you know, it, it couldn't be used as money. I couldn't use it to pop down to the local pub and buy myself a pint. And I just thought, well, there's got to be a way we can do that. That's got to be a better solution for us. Wow, that's pretty cool backstory. So when did Glint form? Well, I think really in 2008 was the time when I started you know, immediately thinking, you know, how can we do this? It was a long journey, you know, going from, you know, digital advertising and e-commerce into we're learning about the payment system and, you know, trying to understand about MasterCard and learning about e-money licenses and regulation uh, and things like that and how the back end, the back end system works in the financial system. I didn't know anything about that. And, and of course, when you have an idea and you want to do something about it, you start speaking to people. There's lots of barriers to entry. People don't want to necessarily tell you, give your information for free. So it took a long time for me to work out how to do it. But then as I did, you know, I built a prototype, put all of my funds 
I had and any of the resources I had with my old agency into building the prototype. About 2014, and we incorporated the company Glintpay Limited in 2015. We then, of course, I had to attract, uh, the first thing I did was attract, try and attract a really good board of non-executive directors. And, you know, I, I think it's really important. I've always thought it's important, you know, to get advice from people and have people working with you and helping you. I think it's great to be able to stand on the shoulders of giants. And of course, from a, you know, looking to set up a, what effectively was a gold-based alternative to banking and to payments and money. And then also we needed to make sure that we had non-executives on the company of, of some significant weight to make sure that uh, you know, shareholder and clients' interests were looked after. So I was very, very lucky uh, to meet a wonderful woman called Haruko Fukuda, who previously, I mean, she'd been, I think, one of the first female investment bankers in the city. She was the former CEO of the World Gold Council. And you know, during her tenure, actually, she had fought Gordon Brown during that process where he sold a lot of Britain's gold. At the bottom, at a historical low. Well, not just at the bottom. I mean, I think he created the bottom. He pre-announced it. He pre-announced it, which drove the price down. Yeah, why would you do that? Why would you do that? <laughs> I mean, anyway, that's insanity. Let's, let's now get into that sort of Blair doing Friends, Friends of the New World. And indeed, I did see your board and you've got some very prestigious people there. And uh, there's a kind of sadness in listening to you in that in terms of my uh, uh, wearing my hat of uh, waving the flag for the enlisted com- company board and, and my book about it, uh, founders, uh, a lot of founders go into one of two camps on a barbell. There's sort of experienced business people like you that, oh, yes, of course, I need really good Neds around me. And then there's a younger founder who says, what do I need, what, what do I need them for? So I'm either preaching to the choir or I'm preaching to the pagans. And there are very few who sort of seems to be in the middle. We actually launched our customers in, so, to our customers in, uh, in the end of 2018 in the UK and Europe and then, and then in the US at the end, uh, towards the end of 2019. Great. Well, we'll come on to, to Glint Pay uh, and what it does for you in a mo- much more nuanced and much more accurate fashion um, when you can give it a bit later. But just very briefly for the, the listeners that don't know at the moment, my little sketch on the whiteboard, which is probably completely wrong, uh, it is effectively the same as having, as it were, Monzo or Revolut on your phone, only you don't store my cash, as it were, as cash in a bank. Let's, let's gloss over all cash in a bank at the moment. But actually you convert it into gold into some sort of a Swiss, Swiss de- deposit uh, and it's connected to a MasterCard. So just like Monzo, I can go around tapping my MasterCard and all that kind of stuff, but actually there's gold, gold behind it. That's a sort of very rough sketch and I'm sure it's half wrong, but we'll come back to I just want to give people a feel for it. <laughs> so uh, I'm not sure really how much detail we can get into, but the thing that's, uh, there have been two things that surprised me, as I say, about gold in terms of looking into it, which is that everybody seems to think it's something different, whereas when I was at school, it was a, something on the periodic table, in terms of what role it plays in, in society. And then the second was the very technical nature of the market and the price moves. But let's start with what is gold, not in terms of periodic table and chemistry lessons, which fortunately for most of us are a long, long time ago, but as somebody who has now been looking at it for oh, well over a, a decade, you will have seen that many people on YouTube or on blogs have got very different takes on what it is. I mean, it's an inflation hedge, some say, or it may or may not be. It's a store of value, some say. It's money, some say. It, it, it's uh, The FT called it this week, the, the, the sort of the, the globalist newspaper. Uh, what are they? fetish that the FD say there's all sorts of takes on what it is which is quite surprising to me because I just started out by thinking gold was gold but what's your position on this well I mean gold is many things and it is different for different people I mean it's uh it is beautiful for instance you know I remember seeing in Japan for the first time a, a Buddhist singing bowl that was made out of solid gold and and it looked like it shone um, I mean, it looks like, you know, pure gold, 24 karat gold looks like it emanates light. Um, it's incredible. And uh, I remember going into the vault beneath Goldsmith Hall and, it, you know, it was like an Aladdin's cave. It, it just looked like it was all just glowing. I mean, it's stunningly beautiful. And, and, and you know, kings and queens and people throughout this, the, the millennia have, have used it to adorn themselves. It is the ultimate expression of beauty and wealth. But of course, that's not what I'm interested in. Uh, um, really, what I'm interested in and what I and the many people see it as is, is money. You've mentioned earlier on in the podcast about you know, applying the words investment to it. You know, the word investment means you know, the action or process of investing money for profit. And I don't see that, it, that gold is that. Gold, gold is just a wonderful store of value. You know, it can't be, it's created when two neutron stars collide. Therefore, its nature is not defined by a human being. 
you know, it's immutable, it can't change. And because of that, you know, for, for thousands of years, people and society and civilization developed, realized that it is the ultimate store of value, it is the ultimate ledger, it is money. Whereas an investment for me is something you invest in, as I said, for profit, something that is normally implied has risk. You're investing in people and companies and businesses. Gold is just the ultimate reliable storm of, of, of value for me, although of, in modern times its, its value can change and so it is not without risk when you're comparing it to other currencies. You know, I don't look at it that way at all, it, actually. I look at it that gold is constant. You know, the word golden constant comes to mind. And actually what we're seeing when, when we see the fluctuations in price in gold is not really anything changing with the gold. The gold's exactly the same as it was before, but the confidence in the fiat currencies, these man-made paper currencies that are going up and down, mean that it looks like the price of gold is going up and or the gold is somehow changing. It's not. It's constant. And that's why we, we love it, because over the medium to long term, it does defend against the destructive effects of inflation, which, of course, again, is another man-made phenomenon. And um, if it's owned properly, and we can come on to that, different ways of buying gold, but if it's owned properly, if it's allocated to you, then it's no one else's liability. Going back to that kind of my, my journey into gold, what were the two problems there? One was, is it, you know, there's got to be a risk-free way of storing my hard-earned money. You know, when you own gold, it is yours. It's no one else's liability, and it's important that you get that right in terms of the type of gold you buy. But also this, this problem with money and money depreciating in ways outside of my control. Gold doesn't change, you know, and uh, I think that's why it's such a, a wonderful uh, way to make sure that your purchasing power is maintained over time and that your cost of living isn't increasing all the time. Yes, there's a lot in what you say there, and a lot of this relates to um, timescales. So in the very short term, day to day, at the moment, it's incredibly incredibly volatile. I was looking at the gold price the other day and it fell something like 4% in a day. And commodities markets at the moment are pretty uh, insane. Equally, Mario was talking on his channel the other day about a lady somewhere in the Gulf who'd uh, had to leave some country oh, decades ago. She's now a grandmother. And uh, she'd sort of got a bunch of gold, uh, which quite often in traditional societies is seen as long-term store of value. And she sold it decades later with an IRR of 9%. So the timescale very much comes into this stability thing. And people talk about it as an inflation hedge, but uh, you know, it, it's a very, very strange market. And you haven't said inflation hedge, so I'm not putting that on to you. I'm just mentioning it as people will hear that. So for example, from the early 70s when it was 35 bucks, by the end of the 70s, it was $680. But 20 years later, it was $265. So it wasn't hedging inflation at all between 1980 of 2000. But then from about 2000, where it was 265, it was up to 1800 in 2011, and then down to 1100 and up. So one thing that I'd actually sort of thought about using you guys for, and I might get around to it, but only when I know a little bit more as a bond fund manager or someone on science equity market as well, it's a, it's a very different uh, type of market, which is the case for medium to long term investment, the, the case for holding gold as a real store of value, which is if you were born 5,000 years ago or 4,000 or 3,000 or 2,000, or even if you were born when I was born, and then sticking it into gold is a really good thing. If anybody's having a baby today, you should probably, uh, you know, if you're a god, modern equivalent of a godfather, if they still exist, godparent, then buying them a, you know, a, a gold Britannia is going to be a really good thing because you can be pretty much sure 10, 20, 30, 40 years time it, it's gone up. But in the short term, it's uh, it's quite volatile. And we'll come back to that in terms of the use cases that people put to glint. Now, you mentioned a very important thing, which again, going back to being sort of very naive, I thought, oh, maybe I should have a little bit of gold in my portfolio rather than just having all these sort of ETFs and a, and a bank account on the side, because uh, that's a bit boring. And then I found out the whole sort of, uh, oh, how do I buy gold is not so uh, simple. And I saw on a review of uh, Glint's app, I think, on, on Android, someone's like, oh, it's incredibly expensive. Well, that's coming probably from somebody who doesn't know the gold market, because like me, I thought, gosh, uh, and you, you charge something like half a percent to get in, half a percent to get out or something like that. I thought, oh, that's quite a lot. Being much more used to Forex markets and all that kind of thing. But actually, you're one of the cheapest ways to do it. So if you want to invest in gold, we've got this thing about the, such a thing called the spot price of gold. There are premium to buy and to sell things like bullion, and there's allocation and unallo unallocated, and there's, there's coins which passing in the UK. If you buy UK gold coins, you don't get CGT on them and you don't pay VAT. But if you buy a silver coin, you do pay VAT. There's all sorts of details like this. There's ETFs, there's mining stocks. Uh, so this whole thing, which you probably went through yourself, Jason, which is that 
you know, at the beginning in, should we say, 2007, you thought this thing called gold. And then by the time you're prototyping seven years later, you, you found that actually, yes, there is this thing called gold, but actually investing in it or owning it is not so, uh, is not so simple and, and indeed not so cheap, actually. Yeah, I mean, I think that uh, the most important thing when buying gold is that you own it. And that might sound really strange to people saying, well, of course, when I buy gold, I'm, I'm buying it, aren't I? Well, no, not all the time. In fact, most of the time, the kind of people who are selling you gold are giving you what's called unallocated gold, where you don't own it at all. You know, effectively, what happens when you, get, when you end up with unallocated gold, then, you know, you become a creditor, i.e. the bank who's just bought you bought gold off actually owes you that gold, but you don't really own it. You don't have that legal title. And of course, the banks and, and the people selling you unallocated gold take advantage of that. They lend it out. They try and make further yields on it. But of course, it's kind of like an oxymoron when it comes to gold, because gold is something you know, that, that one of its qualities, of course, is it should be, you know, help. It should protect you from systemic risk as well. And of course, the very time that the system has problems. That's exactly when you need to make sure that you actually do own it. So I think let's just be clear. I think the number one thing is that you need allocated gold, not unallocated gold. And sometimes it's quite difficult to work out whether, you know, what type of gold you have. And you have to do a bit of drilling down into that. So for instance, some cryptocurrencies are backed by unallocated gold, but through the Perth Mint who have a have a system. So there you're by you're actually ending up buying gold that is unallocated and also in a government vault. And again, a lot of people want to be able to buy gold because it's independent of, of government. So I think you need to be buying allocated gold and you need to be making sure that it's in an independent vault, like a Brinks or someone like that, rather than the government, but all banking vault. And of course, that's if you're buying it kind of online or wanting to store it because you don't want to get you know robbed when you're at home or something like that. So just on the allocated, unallocated, maybe an appropriate metaphor to help people understand is that I mentioned Monzo and Revolut before. I've quotes got my money with Monzo and Revolut and I'll open the app and it says you've got 360 quid on your Monzo account or something. But I don't actually have 360 quid, going back to your, where you started. I, I have a claim for £360. Um, it's, it's actually below the amount, so it's backed up by the financial compensation scheme, blah, blah, blah. So I get it. But as we saw with Landsbank in 2008, I may, I may have to take some time. So in a sense, I, you can correct me if I'm wrong, that's kind of unallocated money. The money I, I hold with a bank, and it's not like in, in this case they actually have all the money. There is a parallel with gold in that they've probably lent a lot of it out and a lot of it doesn't exist, but let, let's gloss over that last bit. Allocated money would be as if, for example, Monzo had safety deposit boxes and I went along to Monzo's safety deposit box. I unlocked it with them, with our two, two keys, and I took the 200 quid I'd just taken out of an ATM and I stuck it in that safety deposit box and that's my safety deposit box. So when Monzo blows up, my money is there. So that, that I would consider as allocated money versus unallocated. Is that sort of roughly the parallel in, in the gold market? Yeah, that's a, that's a really good parallel. And I think the other interesting thing is, is it comes up, the, the issue of sometimes comes up of yield. People say, well, oh, but gold doesn't give you a yield. You know, if you put your money in the bank, it gives you a yield sometimes. Well, not much these days, the interest rate's so low. But I say, hang on a second. The only reason you're getting a yield on your, on your money is because it is unallocated. You don't own it. And they're putting it at risk and lending it out for profit. And of course, they can give you some of that back in the form of an interest rate. But again, if you took your cash and put it in that safety deposit box or stuck it under the mattress, it'd be creating no yield. So the yield argument for me doesn't work at all. But you're absolutely right. And it's a great analogy to give. Okay, so and just in terms of allocated, taking a bit further, I mean, actually, there's a third thing, which is curious about the precious metal investment community based on watching too many YouTubes. I think this applies more to sort of silver for reasons we'll, we'll, we'll come into, which is there's a whole different sort of subtribes as there are on the internet. You know, one day you're interested in something new and you stumble across really weird stuff that you never thought would imagine. And uh, let's just take sort of, sort of silver. One reason that I think there's more on silver is that if you want to buy an ounce of silver, that's about 25 bucks. So, you know, even if you started work yesterday, you could buy one silver coin a month month or one a year. And there were these people called stackers who just keep buying more and more. And there are people who do YouTube channels where every day they get their silver coins out, put them on the table. <laughs> and so you've got your kind of, you've got your prepper community, which is that people want to buy stuff, which once the bomb goes off and the CBDC comes and Schwab rules us all and all that kind of stuff, and you're totally off grid in about every way as you can possibly be, then if I've got a silver coin, I can still buy myself a pie and a pint because someone will quite like, quite like to take that sort of silver coin, even if CBDCs have become compulsory cryptos have been abolished and all that kind of stuff. So you've got your preppery people and then you've got your kind 
of hoardery type people who are like Gollum. They like sitting on piles of coins. And one of the things about this I'm talking about before is that the allocated principle would be, so for example, you can go and buy gold online and they will send it to your house. Gold is far more valuable than silver. So in terms of sticking it under the bed, you might stick sort of one silver coin under the bed because that's sort of 30 bucks and you're unlikely to be burgled for 30 bucks. And when the bomb goes off, at least you can get a pie and a pint with your one coin. But if you've got it at home, you're obviously running a risk of it being stolen. And uh, in terms of the preppers and the paranoid, they said, well, actually, even if you've got a safe at home and you think it's you know buried 16 feet under the ground and all that kind of stuff, if some hackers ever break into the place that sort of where you bought it from, they'll find out you've got sort of a million bucks worth of gold at home and come and sort of come around with sledgehammers and suggest you, you open the safe and, uh, and all that kind of thing. So I'm really just sort of saying there is that the extreme version of allocated is you have it in your hands. And some of the more preppery people say, if you don't hold it, you don't own it. Yes. But if you hold it and you've got, you know, 10, 20, 30 grand of it, well, you've got a risk that someone's going to come and nick it. And it's very hard to get insurance at home for, for that kind of stuff, even, even with a, a safe. So, so then in terms of the allocated stuff and going back to sort of safe, safe deposit boxes at banks, the allocated uh, stuff, which leads into to one of the things that you're doing, is that you can have your girls stored for you in vaults in London or in, in Switzerland, ideally perhaps not with bank vaults. Uh, I think there was a difference, but I'm not quite sure of, um, uh, of that one. And these vaults, sometimes you're actually allowed to go and see your, see your gold or you actually can collect it or take it out. And there's a small storage fee about that. So where does storage come into? Once you're, I mean, if you've got 10 quid in, you know, if you've got 30 bucks in a silver coin, it doesn't matter, you can stick it in your pocket. But if people put more money into these assets, then, then storage, security of storage and insured storage becomes really important. Because, for example, yeah. example, someone may actually do a bank job or not bank job, a gold vault job and, you know, nick gold from a, a vault in London. So let's look, let's look at that spectrum. Then, as you say, the ultimate allocation is that you have it in your hands. And I recommend everybody has some gold on them or in their home. I actually carry a little gold coin around with me a lot of the time. And uh, just to kind of, you know, just have that. It's not worth a huge amount of money, but um, and have some gold at home, because I, I think I think that is important. But the premiums, of course, we mentioned premium premium on those coins can can be much higher you know gold sovereigns it can be as high as five percent to be able to buy it and another five percent when you're selling it and you're absolutely right about the safety and security issues which takes people onto the next level which is to put that gold into a vault under the custody of the vault and make sure that it's insured so you know for instance the gold that green clients have is in a, in a vault in in switzerland as you, uh, as you mentioned there it's, it's insured by lloyds of london and then of course you move on to the unallocated levels and the unallocated could be, could be a company that allows you to buy gold but you're not really it's their gold which you're just being exposed to the price of gold i mean i think the advertising watchdog should be coming down on some of these people and saying you can't say that you've just sold gold to somebody you can't say buy gold because they're not really buying gold and of course the other, the other way of, of, of doing that is ETFs. I mean, a very convenient way of gaining exposure to the price of gold. I think the World Gold Council under Harico were the ones who developed the first ETF, the GLD. But effectively, it's called an ETF is an exchange traded fund. You're buying a fund, you're buying shares in a fund that's supposed to have gold in the fund, but may not have all the gold that, that backs the amount of uh, money that's in the that's in the fund. It's a share that you're buying. So what you know, really, what I'm saying is, is that you know, there should be no token, there should be no company, there should be no fund, there should be no bank, anything that sits between you and your legal ownership of that gold, whether it's something you store in a vault, an insured vault, reputable one, or whether it's the gold that you have at home. Yes, and we don't have time to go into the ETFs. I've looked a little bit for myself, and the, the, and whilst some of them do hold physical, or say they hold physical, there is the question of them lending it out and then not being able to get it back. And many ETFs actually use futures uh, to replicate the, the performance. And again, we don't have time to go into this one this week, but there's been you know, part of the catastrophic fall of civilization is the LME this week. Nickel price quadrupled in a couple of days. It doubled in one day. And astonishingly enough, the LME, one of the ancient institutions of the city, not only did they stop trading, which happens on markets, they cancelled trades from, that had previously been placed. I mean, that's cancelling contracts. I mean, it's absolutely insane. So let's not go down that rabbit hole, but um, there are uh, plenty of reasons, if only as an insurance policy, as you say, to have a small part of your portfolio, in silk precious metals at home to have some a small part of your portfolio perhaps uh, in bullion dealers small part uh, with yourself and maybe some in, in ETFs as long as you've worked out the the risk uh, in the ETF in, in my case in my ISA uh, I bought a little 
a bit of uh, silver uh, ETF, uh, if only because I don't want to pay 20% buying silver uh, and, and VAT, so-called value-added tax, where there's no value-added. Now, we mentioned premium. So the spot price is very complicated in gold. It's From what I read this morning, just rechecking about it, it's based on the futures, which is odd because futures are normally based on spot prices. But let's not get into that. Anyway, spot price, if you just do spot price of gold, uh, it will give you a number. Now, the one thing you know about that number is that ain't going to be the price you pay, as you mentioned about the premium. So there's a, there's a premium to buy gold in various formats and there's a discount when you sell it. Why? Because, for example, if you buy a gold coin, it has to be minted in this, you know, if you buy the Britannia, it has to be minted by the mint. It has to be transported somewhere else. It has to be, you know, saved. It has to be marketed. It has to be, there's a whole value chain that needs paying. And I looked up the, at the, the, this morning some of the premiums. So just giving the people an example, uh, the one ounce Britannia coin is about 1500 quid. You will pay 5.1% over spot to buy it. And when you sell it, you'll get uh, 2% below spot. So the spread there is, is over 7%. So if you buy and sell it today, you'll lose 7% of your money. Oh dear. So that gives you some idea that you know, traditional gold investments are definitely for the long term. You ain't going to trade the gold by buying and selling uh, coins because the spread is a mile wide. A 100 gram gold bar, which is about sort of five grand, which is in the middle of the range. You can get small, small ones. It's got a similar one, a 5% premium this morning and a 2.5% um, discount. So we've spoken quite a bit about the various ways of, of buying gold. The important point we've mentioned is the allocated thing, which is it is really, really yours, especially if you're buying it, which is kind of my use case at the, at the moment when I bought some gold, uh, as an insurance policy, if things totally fuck up, you know, or, or when I get run over by a bus age 99, my kids will be quite happy to get a couple of sort of uh, gold bars because it will definitely be worth more when I'm 99 than it will be now. And all sorts of chaos can happen in the meantime. So there's also the insurance policy part of it. But let's move on to uh, Glint. So I, I sort of uh, gave a very brief sketch before of, of what you do, but maybe you can explain it more precisely in terms of what the thinking behind Glint is and uh, if a listener downloads Glint today, uh, what they actually get and, and, and what happens to their money. Yeah, sure. Um, so Glint is the first company in the world to enable gold as everyday money, as you've kind of pointed out earlier on. And we do that through our app and our MasterCard. But it is a multi-currency account. So we do have we have pounds, euros and dollar wallets as well as the gold. So you can you can store value in different wallets and you can exchange between them. You can select which wallet is linked to your card. So we're offering people choice as well. So we've talked about volatility and things like that. Uh, but, you know, actually, the mean variation in the volatility of gold over time, generally speaking, on a monthly basis, isn't that high. You know, we've just seen some of the biggest, you know, seismic changes in geopolitical situations with war and huge inflation headlines coming out with you know the UK 5.1% the US at 7.9% announced yesterday you know Russia coming to war in Europe for the first time ever we, you know you've seen seismic changes in our macroeconomic and geopolitical situation. And yet you talk about, you know, 4% volatility. Well, you know, the ruble's lost, you know, 75% of its value. Any currency has volatility. And I'm sure if we looked at other currencies, such as the US dollar, the Swiss franc, the pound, we'd see just the same levels of volatility. So I, I think that volatility isn't such a big issue if you have choice. And we do offer that choice and ability to move into different currencies. And by enabling the technology to give the benefits of scale and efficient pricing to our customers, then actually it, may, it makes moving between these currencies very, very easy. It can be done in a moment's notice on your phone. And so our customers, often the kind of comments we get are, you know, wow, I love Glint because, you know, in general, the money that I'm, I'm saving is, is beating inflation. You know, gold tends to on average to go up about 7.5% a year. And again, it's not the same kind of risk associated that you get with investments in equities and stock markets. And uh, when I spend it, I feel like I'm getting a free lunch. You know, I remember one person saying to me, I've been using my account now for four or five months. I've been using it to buy flights to the, you know, hotels, restaurant bills. And yet my, the amount of my gold that I have in my account, although it's, it's, it's less than it was three or four months ago, is now is worth the same in pounds or dollars that it was three or four months ago. And of course, that's, you know, as you said, gold can sometimes the price of gold can get a little bit high. Uh, or should I say, you know, the confidence in fiat currencies can, can drop 
quite considerably at times, in which case you get a bit of a spike and it does correct. And if gold's going sideways or going down, then of course you can you have the choice of using your pounds or dollars in your account. So I think that's important to get that across. There's quite a lot to unpack in that. And just on the volatility point, as you say, uh, gold volatility is unsurprisingly at an all-time high at the moment. I think something like 28% when I saw it. Um, and just to point out the obvious, that uh, anybody who decides to put a decent chunk of uh, their portfolio or, or money into gold at the moment is either gambling by buying today because in two, three, four weeks time it could, you know, it could have gone up a lot, gone down a lot if the war's getting worse and there's nuclear bombs going off or, or if it's all calmed down and everyone says sorry and kisses a, a, and, and makes up. But the way as a, a retail customer to uh, avoid that is, is simply to average in. So for the sake of argument, if you've got a £1,000 and you want to bung it into gold, you can stick it in today. Uh, you can do what I thought I was going to do, which is watch the market and I'll, you know, I'll understand how it's going. I gave up on that one. Or you can, for the sake of argument, just put, you know, whatever the arithmetic is, 50 quid every day for, for a period of time and you'll get the average price over that period of time. So there's a way of avoiding the volatility to an, to an extent. Now, one thing that is interesting, so you're talking about the fact that if you go into Glint, you have allocated gold. So I put £1,000 into Glint today. But what I'm not quite sure of is, is how your model works in terms of it's allocated gold, but it's fractional ownership. So for the sake of argument, when I put £1,000 in today, your little gnomes in Zurich uh, don't go into their sort of gold mines and chip off £1,000 of gold from the sort of rock and, and stick it in a little sort of safety deposit box with Mike's name on. So how does it work? I mean, I don't quite understand it, but I have a, almost have a feel like something slightly between allocated and unallocated, but maybe you can just sort of simply explain. Because also, just to make it clear as earlier, people can use this as a, as a, as a bank account. I mean, I personally, uh, I'd be interested in what your users do, Jason, actually. I, I personally wouldn't stick 100% of my money into a, an account where it's, where it's gold, because it does go up and down day to day, but um, I'm, I'm quite happy to put some of it in. So I put uh, £1,000 in today. I could spend 10 quid tomorrow. So, you know, are your little gnomes under the, under the Alps in Switzerland tomorrow, then going and chipping off £10 worth of my £1,000 little allocation and, uh, you know, and giving it to someone to flog for sort of sterling or something. How does this fractional ownership thing work? Yeah, so first of all, it's definitely allocated gold. That is legally owned by a client. It's not owned by Glint. It's not owned by the vault. It's not owned by anybody else. It is allocated to our customers. Yes, the fractional ownership of the gold bars gives us the convenience and the flexibility to be able to operate gold as money in electronic payments. So this is how it works. There is a solid gold bar sat in the vault which is provided by our liquidity providers, the people who supply us with our gold bullion in the vault in Switzerland, sat under the, under, under, under the airport there, run by one of the biggest precious metals vaulting companies in the world called Brinks and insured by Lloyds of London. That gold bar under Swiss law is jointly owned by the liquidity provider and our clients. On day one, the liquidity provider owns 100% of that gold bar. And you might come along and buy 65 pounds or one gram's worth of gold. And so now you own one gram and the liquidity provider owns the rest of the bar. And someone else might come in and buy you know, half a kilo of, bar, uh, of gold. And now they own nearly half that bar or more, you know, half of that bar. And so once that, once that bar is owned by all of our clients, uh, at the end of the day, it is moved physically into the cage of glint client gold which is just over the other side of the vault and so you have a growing amount of gold in the glint client cage which is only owned by our glint clients it's not owned by anybody else it's allocated to them it cannot be lent out we can't do anything with it except under our clients instructions to buy or sell or transfer the ownership to somebody else now what happens is is when you choose to link your card to gold rather than pounds or dollars or euros and you make a transaction at the merchant, then a signal comes from the merchant when they swipe that card. It goes to MasterCard from the merchant. It comes to Glint, Glint's platform. And the Glint's platform says, does the client have enough gold at the current price? And I'm talking about you know, the millisecond pricing that we get streamed from the marketplace. Does he have enough gold at this price to be able to cover this transaction? And we would say, yes. Uh, we send the authorization back through to the merchant. And then we sell, our system sells just enough of that gold in order to create enough money in the currency of the invoice of the merchant. And that money is sent back through the system to that merchant. And that gold is either sold to one of our other customers at the same, buying at the same time, or a, a kind of netting off process, or it's sold back to our liquidity provider. 
Excellent, very clear. So there's a number of questions that we could talk for quite some time and you've got a very large FAQ on your website which people can check out if they're interested in some of the details. But uh, uh, roughly speaking, how much value in terms of uh, money worth of gold in uh, Glint at the moment? We're heading towards about $100 million worth of gold in our platform at the moment, which is is nearly two tonnes of gold. I'm reliably told that a uh, a ton of gold is the same weight as a baby humpback whale. Wow, that's quite impressive. Well, if, if you're extremely wealthy, I guess I was about to say, if you're, if you're a Russian oligarch, they, they, they probably can't afford it anymore, but you could actually buy your own golden <laughs> humpback whale statue for your uh, mansion. So that's super interesting. I mean, the one thing we haven't had much time to talk about, which I, which I was very fascinated by, I don't know if going to give just a quick a brief on this, which is that not just are you connected to sort of MasterCard, which of course is the conventional sort of you know financial services system, which is getting more more draconian and, and you know, if I make an inappropriate remark on the podcast in a couple of years time and I get cancelled by the sort of uh, the whole the whole sort of uh, regime then none of my cards work but also uh, there's this fascinating thing you've introduced called glint pay which is that uh, if I download glint and I'm on glint I can transfer you 100 quid's worth of gold so I don't have to go through the currency system is that correct understanding? Yeah, it's important that we're building a system that is both integrated with the financial system but also totally separate from it. And so, yes, the integration is through, you know, the ability to make payments with the Glint MasterCard. And soon later, the COBOs make third party payments to different bank accounts from your Glint Gold accounts. But also to be able to be totally outside of the banking system. And that's our peer to peer system where you can send gold from one, as you say, from one person to another seamlessly as easily as sending a text. And that's really where we're building this gold based alternative to payments. And we've got a vision and we have the capability uh, and there's the opportunity to build a global gold-based payment solution peer-to-peer, which we can then build financial services. So building a gold-based financial services ecosystem on top of that is quite exciting. Absolutely fascinating. And we don't have time to go into it. And things have accelerated since Mario's podcast a a few weeks ago. But uh, I've seen for some time in terms of Mario talking about de-dollarisation that Russia... Uh, and China are increasingly talking about netting their payments between themselves uh, in in gold rather than any sort of FSE stuff. And Russia has been preparing a a long time for this multipolar war. They've been building up gold since 2005. So fiat currencies are certainly having (laughs) interesting times. Perhaps they're collapsing. Perhaps the New World Order's plan is to do CBDCs all over the place and and all that kind of stuff. And in those circumstances, this kind of off-grid or off-the-regime systems are, are absolutely fascinating. So there's a lot of interest in there. There are many ways to buy gold. Hopefully you've been given a bit of an idea and certainly the likes of Glint uh, make it pretty straightforward and pretty fintechy. But there again, so do the bullion dealers where you can go and buy yourself a gold coin or a silver coin. Bridget won a, a crossword competition recently, got 30 quid and decided to buy a silver Britannia with it rather than just have another 30 quid that disappeared into the a bank account. And uh, another way of looking at it is it's an option on what's going on in the next couple of years. You know, you buy precious metals, then if stupid shit happens in the next couple of years, they may well be worth significantly more, or may not. They may have gone down. The value of investments can go down as well as up. Anyway, before we wrap up the show, I'd like to thank all the listeners out there, whether you're invested in gold, silver or not, whether you're thinking about it now uh, or not. And my brand partners of the podcast, Smart, is transforming pensions and retirement worldwide. Their leading-edge retirement tech platform propelled them to success in the UK. Now they're operating on four continents and working with partners like Zurich and JP Morgan. Find out more at www.smart.co. They're listedboard.com your guide to entrepreneurial governance and how you can start making your board an engine of growth today. And a very quick shout out for the first quarter listeners that want to, first six listeners that want a pro bono mentoring chat with me for free, clarity.fm slash Mike Balliman slash LFP for uh, a free chat. Okie dokes. So we touched on a lot of stuff here about Glint, Jason. The more I consider Glint, the more fundamental and innovative it is. And, you know, I've covered a lot of innovation in the last eight years on the, on the podcast, but sad to say, or, or true to say, very little is, is, is really innovative. But a, a lot of what you're doing is, I think, very innovative. So where do you see Glint going in the future? And what do you need more of today to make you even bigger and better and, and, and have even more baby whales, weight of gold in Switzerland? Well, I mean, I think uh, certainly what's happening now is that um, I think our customers uh, are totally aligned with the proposition. The, the amount of gold they have storing in their vaults, they've increased the amount of buying by 
about 30% on average per account across all our customers over the last year as inflation has raged. And I can't see any end to the inflationary uh, situation. I mean, we've printed gigantic amounts of money. Central banks have printed so much money that, uh, you know, the, the, the dollar, as you say, and the pound are losing so much of their purchasing power. I can't see inflation being, uh, it's certainly not a transitory issue. And then, of course, we have this terrible situation with war in Europe and uh, the move away from the US dollar has been accelerated, by, as you said, by Russia and China. Russia with 25% of its reserves already in gold. They've been planning this for quite a time. So there's never been a better time, really, to be for, for Glint and for people who want to you know, buy gold using Glint and use it as money. So just to clarify, Mike, when you buy gold on the Glint platform, it, we only charge 0.5% when you buy it. If you sell it on the app, we charge you only 0.5% when you sell it. But if you spend it using the card, we don't charge you any of those fees at all. And so actually the spread for you to buy and sell when you sell through spending is only half a percent in a total round trip. Excellent. And the thing we should have mentioned before is that your storage charges are something like 0.24%, which, based on my very little knowledge of the market, is absolutely in line with the market for, for um, secured, insured, blah, 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 in a vault. We are, though, always kind of innovating uh, in the business. And, um, you know, we do, do, we do try to maintain a kind of zero to one first day mentality around the business. We've just uh, launched a, 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 an advisor portal, which is a, a way for wealth managers, discretionary wealth managers and investment managers to be able to set up Glint accounts very efficiently and very easily for their clients. That allows them to buy and sell gold on behalf of their customers you know, in their portfolio while still enabling their clients to be able to have the app and the card and effectively have access to the gold in their portfolio that's being managed by that manager. So that's a very exciting new development. It represents the second product after the retail consumer app that we've we've launched on top of our platform and later that you know this year we'll be releasing a, you know our api so that third-party systems can integrate with glint and build other products on it so this is the beginning of this what i call gold fi this gold-based financial services ecosystem we're building up on on the glint platform so we are always looking for great people to join our team we're currently looking for quite uh, a few engineers if you're a very talented uh, engineer and want to work in, in uh, bringing you know a more reliable form of money to the world then please go do get in touch with us if you're interested in doing that but more importantly you know please just check it out for yourself download the app from the uh, the app store just search for glint pay on the apple or the google app stores and uh, it's free to open an account and it only takes a few minutes for, so just check it out for yourselves and put yourselves onto your own personal gold standard and which countries are you available in at the moment? I mean, when I looked at Google Play, there was uh, the Android app, there were some sort of uh, negative reviews, but a number of those were saying you're expensive, whereas, as we've discussed, actually, I think you're uh, extremely cheap in terms of getting allocated uh, gold. And then there were some others saying, well, it's the wrong country. And I think you get a very high rating on Trustpilot anyway, actually. Yeah, we've got a 4.7 rating on Trustpilot. Most of our customers give us a five-star rating we do get the odd one star from a disgruntled customer who's really upset that the card can't be issued to them for instance in germany at the moment because although we've got european clients since brexit we had to stop issuing accounts to european customers but people in europe will be pleased to know that we will we'll be reissuing accounts to europeans in the summer so that's all being sorted out at the moment as of today which countries listeners can actually download you today Apart from Europe, the app is available in 200 countries around the world. The card can be issued to those in the US and the UK. And what's sort of the roughly uh, the average or the median balance that uh, people have with, with Glint? Are people putting sort of small beers there or some of them small beers and big beers? We have people who have 50 pounds or dollars on the accounts and some people who have over, you know, two million dollars on the account. The average across all of our clients as we approach, I think we've got 100,000 customers now is about $4,000, but it's increasing every week, especially we've seen a big change at the moment. We're getting, you know, 1,000 registrations a day. I think the demand is is fantastic. And, and you know, the average amount of time it took for someone to top up their account and then buy gold was about 20 days, and now it's down to less than one day. So the metrics on our, on our product, as, as a result of both optimising it and the current market conditions, have really improved. Ah, oh, brilliant. Well, it's definitely something that... Uh... Uh, I will get around to checking out when I've decided what my uh, use case for it is. Originally, it was going to be sort of trading, but uh, having seen the volatility, I don't get my fingers burnt there. But I certainly like the idea of having another app on my phone where it's not all stored in sort of uh, fiat currency. And I think going back to this sort of two million thing, I think one of the 
functionalities I'd like to see built out from, from Glint's perspective in terms of the bigger clients is I, I'm not sure you guys have a CGT uh, report at the moment so I'm not about to stick a million bucks in but if I stuck a million bucks and used it all the time and gold price went up my tax form would be a hell of a hell of a thing to fill in into the because I don't have 5,000 purchases of a beer here and a pie there but I don't have the CGT report. Well I'm glad to tell you that I mean apart from the statement apart from the Excel document you can download of all your transactions we are launching in a couple of weeks a capital gains tax report that we've that we've done in conjunction with KPMG and if you're if you actually want one of those before you know your tax returns go in uh, this April we can organize that for you if you contact customer services before it's even launched in the app so that has been sorted out Cool. Excellent. Well, thank you very much for that, uh, Jason. I think the interesting thing about this, which I didn't appreciate about your background, is that, if I may say, there's a kind of clean lines of an architect's thinking. And and I love the way that you were working on it for years and years and years, you know, in terms of mentoring founders. I mentored plenty of founders who, sort of metaphorically speaking, left Big Co yesterday and are starting their startup today and they're going to think about it tomorrow kind of stuff which is one way of doing things, and sometimes that works. But uh, actually, the, your, I think your architect's mentality is reflected in the, you know, the nice, simple, clean proposition that you have. And it also, it's uh, very unique. So who knows what's out there? But I think you're certainly somebody that I was uh, very keen to get on, on the podcast because you are, and I use this deliberately, very unique in terms of what you do. And uh, it may well be the way of the future. And we read all this great power politics. It's always been going on, sadly, for thousands of years and I'm sure it will never actually stop but uh, you're basically giving um, uh, the likes of uh, you and I the ability to do what the likes of Russia and China can do with each other but which is very hard for us to do if I buy a piece of bullion today and I, I send it in the post to you I've got to insure it it's a, it's a right pain of the, the derriere so going back to where I started which is that Glint Pay have added some extremely unique functionality to gold which ain't easy after thousands of years it's perhaps the, the oldest market going in the world but uh, by the looks of it you've uh, very much done that Jason, which is super impressive. And I wish you and Glimpay every success in the future. Thank you very much, Mike. Thanks for listening. If you're in need of a non-executive or advisory director with deep expertise, experience and contacts in the worlds of both traditional FS and fintech, or unique insight into how to make your board an engine of growth today, contact me at mike at mikeballiman.com. If you just need one-off advice in these areas via clarity.fm slash mikeballiman. We could sit in a bender all day Watching the firelight dance Watching the firelight dance We could walk in the mountains before dawn Watching a happy moon ride Watching a happy moon ride Watch the fire light dance with me, watch the fire light dance.